Welcome to installment 313 of Sefer Mitzvahs from the Rambam. Today's portion contains three commandments regarding the appointment of judges and justice. Positive commandment 176 is the commandment to appoint fit judges. Prohibition number 284 is the prohibition against appointing a judge who is not expert. And positive commandment number 175 is the commandment to reach a decision based on majority rule. Positive commandment 176, as we mentioned, is the commandment to promote justice and appoint judges. What are the purpose of the judges? The Rambam tells us that the judges are required to first of all decide the halacha and to force the people to, to walk in the paths of their legal decisions, to command them about what they should do and to warn them against what they should not do, and also to inflict punishments as should be necessary. And all of this, says the Rambam, in order that the laws, the positive laws and the prohibitions of the Torah should not be made into a case of personal decision that the Torah should be seen as and enforced as a standard of conduct, for all, of conduct for all Jewish people and not simply something which everyone decides on their own whether to do or not. Therefore, the Rambam tells us various stages and various grades of, of judicial authority have been created. On the top of the, of the judicial system is the person known as the Rosh Yeshiva, the head of the Yeshiva or the Nasi. He is the head over the great Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin Gedela, which contains 70 members. This, this court was only in the city of Jerusalem and on the premises of the Beis HaMikdash. And the highest one out of all of the judges became the Nasi, the head over them, making a total of 71 judges in this great Sanhedrin. In every other city that had over 120 inhabitants, in addition, there was a Sanhedrin Katana, a small Sanhedrin, consisting of 23 judges. In Jerusalem as well, we had in proximity to the temple another two of these small Sanhedrins, one at the entrance to the Temple Mount and one into the at the entrance to the Temple Courtyard. Any of these courts with the 23 judges had the power of inflicting the death penalty. What would be if the town had less than 120 inhabitants? They also needed justice. However, in this case it would be dispensed by a court of three judges, a bezdin, as we commonly speak of today, a court with three judges. Therefore we have three levels of courts. However, this also does not complete the judicial system, since there must be someone to help enforce the laws. The Rambam says that the, that the judges were required to send inspectors to investigate the behavior of people in the streets and in the marketplace, to see whether the weights and measures were honest, to see whether the prices which have been set are correct, in order that there should be justice even in the smallest matters. The commandment to have courts, as well as the, as the difference between the one supreme court, the great Sanhedrin, and the smaller courts, is derived from the Sifri, which refers us to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 16, verse 18, which states, Shaftim v'shaytrim, that judges and policemen, titan l'cha b'chol she'arecha, you should appoint in all of your gates. 
And the Sifri points out, how do we know we need to have a court? Because the, the verse says, You need uh, judges and police. How do we know that there is one Supreme Court which has been point, appointed over all of the other ones? This we learn from the words in the verse, that you should make for you. And the word used here is a singular word, implying that there is one court which should solve all disagreements that the lower courts cannot settle. If there's one Supreme Court, how do we know that each tribe, each one of the Shvatim, also has its own, system, its own court? This, the Sifri says, we learn from the words, Bechol Shearecha, in all of your gates. Meaning at the gate of every city, or the, in, in this case, as the Sifri is discussing, for every tribe, there should also be a court. As the Rambam brings the ruling that in his legal code, that the court actually sat in judgment at the gate to the city. However, the Rambam quotes another opinion here from the Sifri, that of Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, who brings another source from the same verse, another method of interpretation to teach us that every one of the tribes also needed its own court. The verse continues, Asher Hashem that all of the gates which Hashem gave you for your tribes, and they should judge the people with righteous judgment. The Rameshim Gamliel points out the proximity of the words Lishvatecha Veshoftu, that in your tribes there you should judge, implying there should be a court for each of the tribes. As Zafri concludes with a deeper interpretation of these words, Vashoftu Esa'am, you should judge the people, Al Karcham, even against their will. The courts are required to dispense justice and keep order in the Jewish community. The Rambam brings another verse, which duplicates this command of appointing judges, but as we will see, brings out another point as well. In the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verse 16, the verse states, As Hashem spoke to Moshe, Esfali shivim ish, collect 70 people for me, that these 70 people should act as a court, corresponding in later generations to the Sanhedrin Gedela. And our sages in, interpret the word li, esfali, gather for me. And this is an important principle to be learned, that every time we have the word li, it implies something which is a commandment forever. It was not only temporarily, therefore excluding the possibility that Moshe had been commanded to, to appoint 70 elders as judges, but no later generation. We see from the word li, as our sages say from the book of Exodus, discussing the appointment of kainim, li, they should be kainim for me. That when the word li, for me, is used, it's referring to something which lasts forever. Therefore, this is an eternal commandment, not only for the generation of Moshe. However, although this is an eternal commandment, the actual judges and courts intended here by Torah law could, are only an application when there is the process of smicha, of ordination tracing back to the times of Moses. Therefore, all of these different levels of courts, the higher one, the intermediate and the lower court, as well as all other appointments, can only be done by a judge or judges who have been ordained in the land of Israel. What then is the intention of our statement of, this, of the statement of our sages that there is that there is an idea of judges both in the land of Israel and outside Israel? 
This explains that Rambam is referring to a judge who was ordained in Israel. Though once he has been ordained in Israel, he can judge even outside Israel. However, originally he must be, he must be ordained only in the land of Israel. And so too the Rambam quotes from the Sifri, which brings a verse from the book of Numbers, chapter 35, verse 29, which is referring to the cities of refuge, which states that this should be to you for, any, for, a, for a judgment, that these, these cities of refuge should be for a judgment for all of your generations wherever you may live. And the Sifri points out wherever you may live means both in the land of Israel and outside the land of Israel. And this is referring to the judges. The judges can be both in the land of Israel and out of the land of Israel. As the Ramam has explained that if they were appointed in Israel they can judge even outside Israel. However, what about the cities of refuge? Can they be outside Israel also? And for this, the Sifri points out, no, the verse says, Ela, that these, which is an exclusionary term, meaning that these, the judges, can be in every place, but the cities of refuge, not. Cities of refuge are only in the land of Israel. And another, another, restriction on this law the Rambam brings from from the Mechilta as he discussed in his introduction to Sefer HaMitzvahs and he, and he mentions here as well that any laws involving capital cases can only be judged at the time that the temple is in existence and not afterwards Prohibition 284 is a prohibition relating to the judges that one is forbidden from appointing a judge who was unqualified. This commandment applies obviously only to those that have the power of appointing judges, such as the great Sanhedrin or Reish Galusa, the head of the Jewish people in Gullus. And over here, where they are commanded not to look at any qualities of the, per, uh, of the person which are irrelevant. They can make their decision only based on his Torah knowledge and his specific knowledge of halachas and his proper behavior. As we learn from the Sifri, which quotes the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 1, verse 17, which states, mishpat, to not give special consideration in the case of judgment. And as the Sifri explains, this refers to appointing them, that one is not allowed to look at any other factors other than their being fit for the position when appointing a judge. As the Rambam quotes, that one should not say, look how beautiful this person is, how strong, or that he's my relative, or that he did me a favor and lent me money, or that he's brilliant and knows so many languages. These are all irrelevant to picking him as a judge, and therefore one is violating a, pro a biblical prohibition by doing so, because as a result of your choice, you will end up having innocent people declared guilty and vice versa, not because the judge is necessarily wicked, but perhaps he's simply ignorant in certain relevant matters of law, and therefore will mistakenly make tr bad judgments. Positive Commandment 175 is to go after majority rule. As we learn in the book of Exodus, chapter 23, verse 2, that you should go after the majority rule. When do we go after majority rule? The Ramam gives two general categories of cases where this is relevant. First of all, it could be in a case of determining Jewish law, a certain general legal opinion or judgment, whether a certain object, for example, is kosher or not, or whether a certain act is forbidden or permitted. If there is a disagreement among the sages, we decide it according to majority rule. 
And so, too, if there should be an individual case, such as a disagreement between two individuals, should the judges in this particular city disagree, then we again go after majority rule in the city of the judges in the city. Therefore, it applies both to the individual judges in the city, as well as the Sanhedrin Gedela, who are deciding on matters of law for the entire Jewish people. And the Rambam quotes from our sages, in order, as he normally does in Sefer HaMitzvahs, to prove that this is a biblical commandment, that our sages say, Ruba Diaraisa, that going after majority opinion is a biblical requirement. All three of today's commandments are discussed in the Talmudic tractate Sanhedrin. This that we go after majority rule is of course only speaking about those that are observant and knowledgeable in the Torah. If the majority does not believe or is not knowledgeable in the Torah, we do not consider their opinion for determining the law. However, a story is told where an even better answer, or a, a very interesting answer, was given by Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha, who was asked by a non-Jew that if the Torah says we need majority rule, since we idol worshippers outnumber Jews, you must join us. The Rabbi Yeshua answered him, Do you have children? And the Danju said, it started complaining about his children. When we sit down to eat, one claims that we have to bless his God, and another son claims that he have to bless his God, and so on. And everyone fights, and by the time the meal is over, we have many injuries, since they fight among them. Rabbi Yeshua asked him, why don't you make peace and just make a decision about which idol should be worshipped? And the Nanju said, I have no power to convince them. And the Rabbi Yeshua said, there you see, you are not a majority. Among yourselves you don't agree either. You're not a majority over the Jewish people. The Jewish people, at least we all believe in one, in one Hashem. But you yourself are not a majority. You disagree among yourselves. As the true idea of majority rule involves unity, and as the Lubavitcher Rebbe Shlita once explained, that in a Torah, in a law of Torah, that when the majority outweighs the minority, the minority actually ends up changing their opinion, and they understand the majority rule, and therefore there is true unity among them.